0: And welcome to Space and Time, the podcast.
1: It's easy to assume that farming consists almost entirely of mindless manual labor. However, anyone who's ever tried to manage their own garden knows that there are an astounding number of rules, techniques, and pieces of information that go into successfully growing anything. And the larger the garden or farm, the more processes and rules there are.
0: Farming is an expertise cultivated over years of dedication to land, soil, and understanding the behaviors of plants.
1: In order to really get at the challenges of farming today, we've decided to focus on the perspective of a career farmer who has developed a lot of this knowledge.
2: The, the, the truth is, uh, good farming produces good, clean, consistent food. If you cheat, don't use approval
0: methods, then it is dangerous. Meet Lou. He is originally from Chesterfield County, Virginia. I had a chance to sit down and talk to Lou about his land and his experience as a farmer in August. He currently operates Diamante Farm and Vineyard in Cortez, Colorado. Lou bought his current 10 acres of land in 1999 with his wife, Sharla. Lou is transitioning into retirement, and up until recently, he has consistently dedicated space to growing his own wine grapes and ears of purple and red Indian corn. In addition, he maintains several fruit trees and grows a wide variety of crops that he sells every weekend throughout the spring and summer at the local farmer's market.
1: Lou always felt a connection to the outdoors, specifically growing food, and wanted to live life working outside and farming. He is an expert farmer by experience.
0: Not a scholar of agriculture, but someone who has dedicated his life to the principles of agriculture and discovering the healthiest, most effective, and most rewarding type of farming that he could. We will complement his thoughts with research, but his experiential insight is where the value of his perspective lies.
1: Much of Lou's family sought to leave behind the farming life. Neither his parents nor his siblings were interested in continuing to pursue agriculture as his grandparents had. But Lou had a greater appreciation for the significance and simplicity of pursuing farming.
2: Always, just always wanted to be in the country. Yeah. Away from neighbors and roads. And I farmed because I didn't make me hungry. Yeah. You know, I love going food. And so as I got into it more and more, it just made more and more sense. The sustainability and the freedom. To me, when I eat something that I produce from my own labor, my own land, it's just win-win, win-win. Farmers quit doing produce and stuff, switched over to cattle and hay, which is, that's a mortal sin, because the first rule of agriculture is never sell hay, because you're selling productivity. It's money. It's not yeah.
1: So, Miriam, what do you think he means by never sell your hay?
0: Well, Hannah, I think that hay could it really is just a stand-in for any number of different things one could be growing. I think the point isn't necessarily about hay. It's about selling something that you need to sustain your own land. So if you're selling... Something off of your land that you end up having to buy back. You're essentially opening up a closed system. Not doing anything
2: sustainable. Yeah. You're just shipping our water out of state.
0: So, do you see a solution to any of this? Like...
2: Oh yeah, there are a lot of solutions. The first one would be to de-emphasize the export of our soil.
1: Historically, The biggest U.S. agricultural exports have been grains, oilseeds, and
0: livestock products. These products, particularly corn and alfalfa, are heavily subsidized. Crop subsidization is
1: essentially insurance for the farmer. In the case of price drops or a massive crop failure, the operation and its operators are protected financially so they can continue year after year to produce these products that support our nation's economy. In many ways, this is a good thing. Because of the volatile nature of agriculture, from battles with the weather to competition in the international marketplace, subsidies, at the very least, ensure that we still have people out there growing these crops for us.
0: But, as a result of these subsidies, the options for farmers are stringent they must continue to plant and cultivate specific crops that the government wants so that they can continue to receive the benefits and insurance they need for their businesses to sustain. So really, many farmers are in a bind. The government has placed what seems like an unfair amount of precedence on bulk commodities.
1: And bulk commodities are
0: things like corn, soybeans... And that is because those crops support so many industries. We can make some assumptions here. If someone is growing hay for export, they're probably doing it on a large scale. If they're growing hay on a large scale, the amount of inputs needed, fertilizer, tilling, water, to meet the needs of the output hay, end up causing widespread degeneration.
1: A plant isn't just a phenomenon that arises out of nothing. An alfalfa plant is an amalgamation of not only sunlight and water, and the plant itself are these minerals. And when we cut the plant down and take it away from the place in which it was grown and offer nothing of it back to the earth through a process like composting, we begin to do something that Lou puts perfectly. Mining, not farming.
2: Well, you can't have anything else if you don't have some
0: Absolutely. So it's
2: not alive and constantly in that regenerative state. You're just not going to have quality products. And in the long run, that's extinction.
1: Lou says that a farmer selling his or her own hay is like selling the farm's productivity. It's hard to grasp the importance of grass and alfalfa hay if you have never worked on a farm, but it is an essential component of agricultural life. As a primary source of food for livestock, it's a vital source of nourishment, especially in the winter. In Lou's case, he needs hay to feed his horses, who produce the manure, which eventually becomes compost to nourish his soil. No hay means no livestock, and no livestock means no soil. I could see how the export of this crop would be unthinkable for a person like Lou. From Lou's perspective, selling one's hay means selling the agency and influence one has over their land. And not only that, but he sees it as selling the soil itself.
0: From the perspective of an independent farmer, someone who is interested in producing quality food, economic policies can definitely seem like obstacles, especially for someone like Lou, who in part focuses on farming because he doesn't want to be hungry. His farm is a means of providing for himself, and that's meaningful for him. When there is a societal emphasis on growing commodity crops for the sake of profit, that means that a farmer like Lou will have a harder time producing healthy fruits and vegetables for himself and the community he serves at the farmer's market.
1: If subsidies run the risk of limiting a farmer's ability to explore different crops and exercise agency over their land... What would be an example of a policy that supports farmers while allowing them to make more use of their individual expertise?
2: It's just like the greenhouses. That was a USDA program to teach farmers how to use uh, high tunnels, which are not greenhouses. They don't have permanent ends on them. They're designed to uh, lengthen the growth season in the spring and fall. When we first heard about it, our county had been allocated a total of three. Wow. Three. Because they said nobody's interested. So we formed a group. I got one of, I got one of the first three. Uh-huh. And then since then we've put in 70 some. And they got the list is there's seventy-five people on the waiting list right now.
0: These high tunnels that Lee mentions are one example of a policy that supports farmers without prescribing specific crops.
1: Yes, Miriam. The USDA program called the Environmental and Quality Incentives Program, or EQIP, provides the resources for these high tunnels. The purpose of EQIP, as described by the USDA, is to provide financial and technical assistance to agricultural producers to plan and implement conservation practices that improve soil, water, plant, animal, Air, and related natural resources on agricultural land and non industrial private forest land. EQIP may also help producers meet federal, state, tribal, and local environmental
0: regulations. Requirements to qualify for EQIP aren't anything crazy. If you'd like to learn more about EQIP, its goals, and requirements for benefits, you can find more information on our show notes at spaceandtimegardens.com. The
1: key here is the difference between empowering farmers to pursue their preferred methods and produce what they feel are the most worthwhile crops, and a government that attempts to facilitate economic growth within agriculture by pushing farmers toward certain crops. For Lou, the more internalized the process, the more effective, healthy, and rewarding the work.
0: You've said already that Lou is an expert by experience. He has dedicated his life to learning as much as he could about his land and the principles of growing food.
1: But more than being dedicated to farming, Lou is happy and proud of his lifestyle and his experience.
2: I mean, I'm the oldest of kids and my parents and most of my siblings think I'm stupid because I've lived my life and I'm not rich and don't have a huge... Retirement fun. <laughs> I don't go anywhere. I'm happy where I am. So it's not like I'm being penalized for living the way I want to live, but that's what people look
0: like. at. It's important to emphasize that this is a lose lifestyle. It's more than his job. He doesn't just clock in to a day of farming in the morning and then clock out at night. His work, his passion, and his home are all bound to each other. And in that way, we are reminded of Brooke.
3: There's a genius in all of us, each of us. Mm -hmm. And there's a genius in the place. Mm -hmm. And we've lost touch with that. And we're not in touch with it anymore. So that's what we're doing here. We're not farming. Our food is a byproduct of us reconnecting to this place and to acknowledging all of the life that we're dependent on and work with every day.
1: Brooke Levan... The subject of one of our previous episodes is another Colorado farmer whose approach to farming stems from his experience as a ceramic artist. A big driver for Brooke was to find a way to connect his understanding of the arts with the natural world. Agriculture became an outlet for this desire. Another way to put this is agricultural practices flourish when the action of farming itself is viewed as an interdisciplinary pursuit.
3: Farmers are not dumb or stupid. They are bringing together a biology and all these other sciences. So we understood in our work for years, two or three years before, had really been about going to a community and saying, hey, we're artists. We're gonna come to you and have town meetings. And we're gonna say, what do you need? And we can help you make something that you can make with us. And it's meaningful and lasting for you because pretty soon we're gone. And so sustainable settings, in art lingo, is our largest site-specific community-based public work to date. Not that we need recognition from the art world. Mm-hmm. We don't care.
0: But, in many ways, Brooke's experience as a farmer bears almost no resemblance to lose. Brooke talks more about his philosophy behind farming and connections to art. He has a background in academia. Lou isn't as forthright about his personal experiences working with the natural world, and his appreciation for farming appears, at first, to be a bit more straightforward.
2: I farmed because I didn't make me an owner. Yeah. I, you know, I love growing my own food. And so as I got into it more and more, it just made more and more sense. The sustainability and the freedom. To me, when I eat something that I produce from my own labor, my own land, It's just win-win, win-win.
1: Despite some very stark differences in their background, however, Lou touches on some of the same principles as Brooke in his own way. Both Brooke and Lou understand that their work is more than a job, and they have intentionally committed themselves to understanding the land that they find themselves on. They find themselves in place, and their experience of place informs how they interact with natural forces to yield a bounty.
2: People ask me, well, what do you
0: growing? say dirt I just love when he says I grow dirt I think it's the most perfect thing to say because essentially that's what every farmer is doing It doesn't even matter what products are coming out of that dirt the most important we won't have we wouldn't have any of those products if it wasn't for the dirt and the microbes and all of the things that live in the dirt that provide for us The idea of growing dirt, is a really interesting perspective because all we think about is the part that we can walk away with. But Mm. you can take a different perspective and say that by planting certain things in the soil, we're feeding the soil Mm. and we're growing the dirt. It's seeing it as any farmer would see it, which is the reality, which is it's not just this one-way street where it's all about what we can take away. Mm -hmm. A good farmer understands that you're growing every part of the system, or you're not doing a very good job.
1: (laughs) It's almost as if awareness, situational
0: awareness, awareness of place,
1: awareness of the self, is a state of being that gives back as much as you put in. I'm wondering if there's reciprocity in awareness. Perhaps the land will give back to you as thanks for just noticing it. Because for the most part, the land goes unnoticed in our modern world, and no one likes to be ignored. This kind of relates to what Brooke was saying about saying hello to the plants.
0: Well, there goes Hannah with her woo-woo thoughts. We greet us. We buy a seed
3: from another place that maybe or may not have produced it with love. And it comes in the mail and it arrives. It's a powerful, packed little part of life. And what do we do? Just go poke it in the ground? Or do we say, hey, welcome. Thanks for coming, and you know what? We're going to work together, and let's do this together, and let's really grow beautiful things.
0: Big thank you to Lou and Sharla for letting us visit and talk about their farm.
1: And to Lucas Schaefer, our Head of Research and Development and Chief Sound Engineer for the podcast.
0: For more information about space and time, blogs, research, and our services, please visit us at spaceandtimegardens.com. Time like the herb. If there is a topic you would like for us to explore in the podcast, if you or someone you know would like to participate in an interview, or if you are in the Boulder area and in need of gardening and or landscaping services, please contact us.
1: You can email us at info at Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook.
0: Thank you for listening and stay tuned.